<laughs> What's that look on your face? I think our intro music just keeps getting weirder and weirder. You promised me you hadn't done acid or LSD in years. I, it's been, oh my God, I haven't done acid in over 30 years. Wow. Yeah. You couldn't tell. Well, uh, you, <laughs> I flashback, okay? Maybe it's a flashback. I understand those happen. When it all breaks down for me and really, really breaks down, this is the music they'll be playing in the padded cell right here for me. No, man, this is... This is the Tornadoes. This is Telstar. This is like up there with the Ventures, Walk, Don't Run. Yeah. Wow. It's the Brian Oak <laughs> Show, episode 179. Here we are in the Smart Start MN Studios. My name is Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. And yes, that was the tor- Tornadoes. Pardon me, I had a little lunch. Little soup going on there. Uh, that's all. Yeah, because it's 156 degrees. Why not have a hot bowl of soup? So I got that panic hungry on the way over. I hadn't really oh, eaten yeah. anything this yeah. morning, and I started to get that like somewhere between I'm going to collapse or I'm going to hurt strangers in a fit of rage. Yeah. And I thought soup would do the job with some bread dunked in it. And you know what? It's done it. I feel better. I'm glad your three and a half hour fast is over. <laughs> Listen, you. I've been up since 4 a.m., all right? That's, oh, God. Yeah, okay, Every here it day. comes. Yeah, there it comes. Nine, nine-hour fast, my good man, plus uh, sleeping. Okay, so if you really want to split hairs. Um, I wanted to talk about something. Uh, the great Minnesota get-together, the Minnesota State Fair, is now less than one week away, and they have announced their protocols for COVID. Now, mm. for people who are listening who have not been to the State Fair before, hard though it may be to imagine, I know there are a handful of you who never have, Generally, anywhere between 110 and 150,000 people every day. And sometimes on the weekends, they'll nudge 200,000 people, which is a lot. So the protocols they announced for COVID safety with everything this year are essentially none. They hope that you have uh, the vaccine. They would like you to wear a mask when you're indoors or in proximity to a lot of people. But they're not enforcing anything. So there is no need to show that you have been vaccinated. There is no need to wear a mask at any point. No one will certainly be enforcing that. And this is the one that bums me out the most and actually makes me the most ragey. They are not going to restrict the number of people who can come in at all. Now, even pre-COVID, I already was an advocate of that plan because it's gotten to the point in the last few years where you're waiting in line for 45 minutes for a freaking Pronto Pup. Yeah. Which I will do, but don't make me. I mean, like that's not fun for anybody, man. No, I'm guessing that the RNC booth there is going to be pretty packed. Dude, I mean, there are going to be a bunch of people who will not go because, because of the absence of protocols. I'm not going. I, and I wanted to go. You know, my wife's got to work out there uh, this year for some reason. Yep. I'm making her sell uh, Sweet Martha's cookie. No, she's got to do, <laughs> do something for work. I don't know, from for the education building or something. But, right. But uh, I'm not going. No no chance am I going. Well, for there. my radio station job, I yeah. have to be out there four times. But Oy. we are in an enclosed booth, and I'm not coming out to say hi or take pics or do any yeah. of that kind of stuff. I'd rather we didn't go. And notably, very interestingly, WCCO AM, arguably yes. one of the legacy stations in all of Minnesota radio history, announced they're not going to be there. They're pulling out of it, which is a huge deal. So the dominoes may yet still fall. We'll wait and see what happens and exactly what they're going to do, if they're going to change their protocols, if other you know media outlets follow suit. But it's very interesting, and it's on its way. And, man, you want to talk about super spreader? Super spreader on a stick, baby. Oy. It's going to be good times. Just ahead, we're going to be checking in with today's features, featured guest. He's been a guest here before. He is a punk rocker. He is a librarian. He is a skydiver. And he's a really fascinating guy to talk to because he has a wide range of loves. And he's passionate about all of them. And a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, our kids dated. Ah, young love. John Copeland will be joining us just ahead on The Brian Oak Show. But first, I don't know. I was feeling wistful. I'm tired this week. It's been a very long week. And I am... I thought, let's hear a little Water Boys on The Brian Oak Show. She 
Waterboys on the Brian Oak Show. I am Brian Oak, and we are recording here in the Smart Start MN studio. Smart Start MN, Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. They were the first. They are the ones who worked with the state to put this program together. Basically, it works like this. You get a DUI, you lose your license. That's where it ends. Now, with Smart Start, they can get you back into your car sooner than you might otherwise think. Even while things are still proceeding, you're going through the process, you can't stop living, right? I mean, you screwed up. There's no question. You done effed up, Sean. Not you. <laughs> what do you but, mean, you know, Sean? <clears throat> oh, sorry. That was hypothetical. All right. I, I, that was just, time. I was just telling a story. Um, but I mean, you know, you screwed up and now you got to get back to life and you got to figure it out. Well, they have a way to get you back in safely, legally and surprisingly affordably to get you back into your car so that you can drive on the regular. And again, we have to thank Smart Start for being here, not just for helping people get back to some semblance of normalcy in their life, but also for being with the Brian Oak Show since day one. We're really appreciative. And they are returning that appreciation by offering our listeners a discount if you head over to the website it's already super affordable but just go to brian oak show dot no go to smartstartmn.com slash the brian oak show and you'll get 20 percent off the installation of the ignition interlock let's go ahead and say hi to our guest today we've had him on the show before he is a librarian by trade but i all i know him mainly on social media as uh, a voracious music fan and a reporter of the music that he sees. He likes to share that enthusiasm, that joy, those experiences, especially after this year we've had. I mean, it, nobody's been able to do a damn thing. It's been so weird, and it's nice to be back out. But he's also an avid skydiver, and I meant to touch on this more the last time he was a guest here, and we just never got around to it because we had so much else to talk about. But it is my pleasure to welcome a punk rock librarian, John Copeland, back to the Smart Start MN Studios. Hello, John. Hey, how's it going? It's good, man. How have you been? I've been real good. And now, yeah. let's just talk about music just a little bit as things have opened back up again over the last few months, right? 
there's been, but even when things weren't fully open, you know, you were going to front porch shows and things like that, but now things are open again, and I can't believe how often I see you post about, you know, going to the hook and ladder or going to wherever and seeing all this incredible live music. You can't ever get enough, can you? No, I, I usually have, you know, three to six shows a week or something. Sometimes my family gets a little fed up, like, you're going out every night, <laughs> you know, and it's true, but there's so much... um stuff to see because yeah there's still all these small shows there's the hook and ladder shows but then you know there's like i saw patty smith recently and uh how was that show by the way oh that was fantastic yeah i've never seen her live oh yeah and so you know some bigger things like that and clubs are opening up first avenue and all their venues and different things so yeah so i'm always busy there's nights where there's two three things that i would like to see and i'm just like i can't clone myself so (laughs) yeah well and again you'd have to rely on your clone for the review on the show but you share it on social media all the time you love going out to music where do you think that came from when you were growing up when do you remember falling in love with music i fell in love with music when i was a young child i mean i think i might have told the story last time i was here but you know, I was five years old. I started discovering record albums, and I went to my first show ever when I was like nine and a half. I begged my mom to take me to see Steely Dan with Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. <laughs> wow. It was January 1974, <laughs> and I've never looked back. I mean, I've been a live music fan ever since and, and always gone to see lots of shows and stuff. So. so what did you do during lockdown? I mean, how did you make do i mean did you like you know set up a little puppet show to do them at home and try to get the energy (laughs) off that or yeah the first lockdown i mean there was like a few months where there was nothing because we were really restricted then it got to be the summer and they started doing like the little outdoor shows and i found lots of small outdoor you know things to go see it was cool though because instead of like seeing all the national acts that come through and stuff it was all local stuff and so I saw a bunch of artists that I probably may not have seen if it things had stayed the same. Um, so I discovered a lot of cool local musicians that I'd never seen before and checking them off my list. And there's still some that are on my list, but I'm trying to get to them all. Well, we talked last time uh, a lot. And then we will talk more about it because you're doing this very cool ongoing series at the library. But you work at the Minneapolis Central Library downtown, right? Yep. Hot part of the Hennepin County Library system. What what has library life been like during lockdown? Is it opened up again? I mean, are, are they letting people in yet? Yeah, well, when I talked to you last time, I was actually on the last show of the Trump era. We, wow. We recorded it, episode 125, we recorded it the night before the inauguration. And I remember you guys are going, oh, I wonder if something bad's going to happen. <laughs> you never Luckily, know, man. But, it, was, it was a tense time. Yeah. But anyway, you asked me about that then. And at that time, we had only had like one floor of the downtown library open. Mm-hmm. And we had limited capacity. Only 40 people at a time could be in the building. People had to wear masks. Right. You know, all that kind of stuff. So since then, they opened up. All the floors are open again. Uh, meeting rooms and conference rooms are open again. Um, and back in June, they lifted the mask mandate. And if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Or, people, you know, if you're not vaccinated, you're supposed to wear a mask, but they, you know, no way to check. Right. So but, you don't require proof of vaccination or anything like that. Right. But that only, that lasted about a month and a half. And recently, again, Hennepin County um, reinstated the mask mandate. So, okay. so now people have to wear masks, staff and patrons mm-hmm. and you know, so we have to enforce that, and sometimes people are grumpy about it. And oh, stuff yeah. Like. Uh, so, yeah, the masks are back on, but we do have all the floors of the building open, and a lot more stuff is open, including the Vinyl Revival listening room which and, is, and the piano room that people love to come play the grand piano. So all those kind of things are open. Well, fabulous. You have a yeah. grand piano? In the, see, I've only ever been there once, and I don't remember seeing the grand piano, just because I never make it downtown anymore. And so I haven't been to the Central Library but once in my entire life. So people will just come and sit down at the grand piano and play? Yeah, it's in a special room that's soundproofed, so it doesn't, ah, you know, because otherwise it. it would carry through the whole building. Exactly. And you sign up in advance, and people can have up to an hour a day, up to three hours a week. And we've got regular people and always new people learning about it who come in and just love to play the piano. So it's on, it's on the third floor. Have you? I mean, so when you when you first opened back up before things suddenly you know got a little tighter again with masks and everything, did you notice a big influx of people who came back in, or people still a little skittish about getting back out there to the library, or did they come flying back in? It you know it's getting a little bit more busy, but it's still pretty sleepy. 
Um, I think because a lot of people still are not working downtown. Right. I mean, all the employees, you know, Target's not back. A, a number of different people are not back. So, yeah, it's a lot quieter than it used to be. Um, and, you know, there's sometimes that there's floors that are pretty, you know, there used to be every computer was full and like, oh, there's a lot of computers empty. So, yeah, it's not picked up as much yet. So we'll see. Earlier today, I saw you make a post on social media that our mutual friend, who's also been a guest on this show a couple of times, John Clifford, you apparently were stalking him. You saw his cool car with his cool dog in the backseat. I was stalking him. Yeah. So I was on the way uh, to see my kid uh, do a musical performance thing. And so we're in the car and all of a sudden, Westy, my wife, goes, oh, look at that sweet car over there. It's right by the demo place with the old White Castle building. Um, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that is a sweet car. And look, there's a cool looking dog in the back seat. And then she's like that. Then the guy looks like he's a rock and roll guy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that makes sense if it's there. And I'm like, that's John Clifford. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. And then we, so we yelled at him. And yeah. But you also mentioned that your wife said that you should dress more like him. Yeah, she's like, he's. I really like his style because she's met him a few times now right, at, at right. events. And she's I really like his style. You should dress more like him instead of just <laughs> being a slob in a T-shirt all the time or whatever. It's like, oh, okay, thanks, John. Uh-huh. Look, well, none of us can be John Clifford, all right, with the rings and all the necklaces and the cool hair and all that stuff. That's way more work than I'm willing to put in on the regular. Well, I want to talk about uh, another thing that you got coming up very soon here at the library uh, with another artist who joined us here on the podcast, Probably one of the most talented, optimistic, and insightful people that is working in music in the Twin Cities right now, Nerdy. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But before we do, I don't like to go too far into the show without hearing some music. And you have picked out a beauty right here. I mean, this is a good one, man. And this goes back a ways. I used to have a joke with my friends. Um, are you more of a Rembrandt pussy horse fan or more of a locust abortion technician fan? And apparently your answer is locust abortion technician. Oh, yeah. I love both of them. But yeah. I love all the early stuff by this band, the Butthole Surfers. So, yeah, it's going to be a song by the Butthole Surfers. And I've heard you like mention them in passing on the show before. I forget the context, but I don't think anyone's ever played them. No. But they're one of my favorite bands, um, especially the early stuff. Some people might just think know them from Pepper or something like that, and that's yeah, it's an, it's okay. But it, they the, were lucky enough to get a hit or two during the alternative boom of the '90s. But the '80s is really where they. Anybody who thinks that the Flaming Lips crafted freak rock, there's nobody else quite like Butthole Surfers. Yeah, and and the funny thing, so the first time I ever saw them was '84 in the entry. It was the old entry before it was remodeled to wow. what, it, what it is now. And they did this just psychotic show, and I was doing my radio show on KFI, so I went and asked them if I could do an interview, and they said, yeah, we'd love to, but um, can we do it? We're staying at Grant Hart's apartment. Can you come over there tomorrow and do the interview? So I did. I went over to Grant Hart's apartment, and they were all sitting around, and we just fired up the tape deck. And they're some of the nicest people that I've met, but also the weirdest uh-huh. and just <laughs> surreal and off-the-wall crazy people. You know, and then later, you know, a couple of years later, they started playing the main room and just like total, I don't know if you ever saw them, but total freak out performances with the films and the, the strobe most, lights and sometimes semi-nude dancer oh, and everything Oh, completely else. nude. No, com- yeah. The most terrified I ever was in the First Avenue main room was at a Butthole Surfers show. It's odd that you bring this up because you mentioned LSD and yes. there was a night that I was on LSD and I was in the First Avenue main room. It was all smoke. They had two standing drummers. They were showing on the background the films, one screen, and then they were kind of crossing over the two of them, but on from one camera, it was upside down. Uh, episodes of Charlie's Angels, and on the other one <laughs> was vivisection videos of animal vivisection, mm. and then they'd have the two crossover, and then there was all this smoke, but the most scared I ever was was when uh, Gibby Haynes, lead singer of Butthole Surfers, uh, like during this weird, quiet, psychedelic, smoky number, brought a hi-hat out into the center of the stage, poured lighter fluid all over the top of it, lit it on fire, and then to punctuate the song... He would slam on it with a drumstick, and it would throw this gigantic fireball up into the sky. Now, this is the late 80s, so back then, First Avenue hadn't really cleaned up its act yet, and there was asbestos and dust of collected decades hanging down from the ceiling. And, of course, I'm tripping. And so I'm watching these fireballs go up in there. I'm like, we're all going to die here. (laughs) We're all going to die. Luckily, we did not die that night, but I do understand that arrests were made because at one point a naked woman did come out of the, the, the fog. Yep, yeah, they they had their dancer who sometimes would just 
it like has something on the bottom, and sometimes it'd be totally nude. And yep. yeah, the butthole surface shows back in the eighties were pretty freaky, freaky, just incredible. No parallel, and, right? I mean, there wasn't anybody else doing exactly what they did. Yeah, and the music was all different too, because some of the songs are nice and melodic, and some of them are freaky. And actually, this song has kind of like bits of both. And yeah, it's it's crazy. Well, and here, this is their classic, the cover rather of a classic Black Sabbath song. So, good pull, John. I like this one. Let's go here, head and hear a little butthole surfers on the Brian Oak Show. funny thing about regret is that it's better to regret something you have done than to regret something you haven't done. And by the way, if you see your mom this weekend, would you be sure and tell her, Satan, Satan, Satan.
what always amazes me about that particular track is they kind of managed to encapsulate their live madness into a track. Yeah, with Gibby doing all his weird sound effects uh-huh. and manipulating the vocal speed and everything. I, I just, it blows me away because, you know, a lot of times when you are one of those bizarre, chaotic live bands, that can be hard to harness, you know, and a couple other songs on that particular EP are not as good, but I, I've always loved that one. So I feel that was an excellent pull, Mr. Copeland, and I appreciate it. Yeah, and I, I uh, you, a little while ago on this podcast, you started the show with Sweet Leaf by Black Sabbath, and they stole the riff of that for this song and... And with why, which is why they called it Sweat, sweat Loaf. loaf yeah. Gross. <laughs> hey, before we go any further, I want to talk about Nerdy coming in and what you do with the vinyl section and how you curate it over there at the library. But first, I do need to mention that Forgotten Star Brewing is our latest sponsor here on The Brian Oak Show. They're located in Fridley, not very far away at all. It takes a few minutes to get there. They've got a gorgeous facility. They make excellent beer. They're completely dog-friendly inside and out. And they're good people, and they got a bunch of music going on this summer. They do, and... This just in, yeah. we're going to be out there for Oktoberfest. That Saturday, the 18th of Oktoberfest, we will be out there. 18th of September, I should say, for well, Oktoberfest. That's the whole thing. And I, I did a little looking up online, so I wondered, I'm like, why? Because everywhere, including in Munich, you know, I mean, yeah. you go to Germany, Oktoberfest is in the middle of September. It's apparently a 13 or 18 day festival that always ends on the first Tuesday of I. And again, there was some long history thing, and I said... TLDR. Too long. Yeah. Didn't read. And, yeah. But it made, so it's still called Oktoberfest, even though it's in September. But September 18th, we're going to be out there and um, we'd like for people to come and hang out. Yeah. And the other weird thing about Oktoberfest <laughs> is Octa is eight, right? Yeah. So why is it the 10th month? Wow. I, had I known there was going to be a quiz. <laughs> okay. All right. We won't go into all had that. Had I known there was going to be a quiz, Mr. Bernard, I would have done my homework. Sadly, I did not do my homework. But Forgotten Star Brewing, they do a great job yeah. out there. And they're very cool people. And we urge you to patronize them and come out and join us in mid-September. We'll have more details as that date approaches. Also, Sean Bernard, you are a realtor for Edina State Realty, 50th in France location. It's hotter than hell out there. Has that done anything to sales? Um, people still want to go see places. Uh, the interest rates are still super low. And so the market has slowed a little bit. It's not stopped. We're not at a balanced market yet, but you can actually find a home and pay asking price. I just, uh, had, uh, somebody that just put an offer in, in Golden Valley and went in at list and got the place. In fact, the last two places that I've sold have been at list price. So it's possible. Yeah. Okay. And then what I do is actually go and look and do my homework and see what the comps are. Is that what the houses are selling for in that area that are similarly updated, et cetera, et cetera. If you know somebody that's looking to buy or sell, 612-859-2594. And I also donate a portion of every sale or buy to a local artist or musician. I don't. And, well, I was just going to say... We have actually hired Sean to sell our house. That's true. Next spring. We're working with Sean, and yeah, we're going to wait till next spring. We're moving to Vermont. But uh, yeah, Vermont, John, we Vermont trust the John. state? Vermont state, yes. Why? Uh, oh, Westy, my wife's family, um, has lived out there for years. That's right. where she's from. Right. I've promised her for probably 15, 20 years that we're going to retire and move to Vermont. Okay. And, you know, her dad's still out there. She wants to have some years to be there and be around the family so yeah so that's why we're doing it oh and um yeah i actually love what you guys are doing that you're taking your time and you know getting things done and then you're waiting really until next spring to list yeah because it gives people aren't pants on fire then you know it's like okay we're gonna project this out room by room get things done declutter is the big thing everybody needs to declutter everybody needs to declutter. <laughs> so you guys did that as well. All right. Well, yeah. that's awesome. I, I had no idea. So yeah. you're working with Sean. Yes. Did you first hear about Sean from the Brian Oak Show podcast? Yes, I did. Look at that. See, it's and working. I, Advertising I, on the Brian Oak Show podcast works. And, and Wesley had like talked to some other people who you know we were maybe going to work with. And I said, you know, there's this cool guy, Sean, and he's like on the Brian. <laughs> and she's like, well, maybe I'll, I'll talk to him and see what I... And after, the first time she talked to you, she goes... I love him. He's hired. Like, we're getting rid of the other people we talk to. <laughs> There's a lot of good realtors out there is the first thing I'll say. But there are also people that you're like, what are you doing? Like, I'm not going to put a hundred grand into my house before I sell it. Like, let me know what I really need to do to put it on the market. 
I don't want to deal with all that bullshit. Let's just get it done. So, yeah, and Westy's great. You are, are you're both lucky. <laughs> I hate it when people just go, oh, you're a better half. Nope, you're both lucky. Really, really cool relationship there. And a phenomenal house in a great location. So, yeah. Is that how you feel about us, you and me? We're both lucky. Most, I think most days. Yeah. Most days. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm hoping I was I was getting kind of excited when it was like oh people are always pay like way over the asking price and I'm like oh that's good for me but now I'm thinking oh. but I'm hopefully we'll do good so. it's all you know that what I say to people is that it still has to appraise right and so we're gonna look at comps and do all that stuff and then we'll come up with a list price but you're the one who determines the price not me okay I will make this suggestion you and Westy. Uh, I make the suggestions based on the research, and then I say, this is what I think it should be in this range. Then you guys decide. Then we throw it on the market. Plus, you got nothing to worry about, man. You have a lovely home. I've been inside you your house, and yeah. you've got a gorgeous home over yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Tons of character. Yeah, it's a very cool home. John Copeland is our guest. He is a librarian by trade, but has many other things that he's interested in. But I want to talk about the, the main reason we're having you in today is that you, so when you started, how long ago did you start at the library? I started in 1983. Holy crap, hopper. really? Yeah, I, well, and I was I was in college, I think, and I wow. uh, I, I just started as a, I didn't know I was going to make it a career. I just started yeah. as a part-time job shelving books, and I just kept doing it, and then once I got out of school, I was like, well, I'll go full-time, and then I was like, oh, I could take a test and be a, you know, a, a paraprofessional, and I did that, and then I was like, well, now I could go to grad school and get a degree and, uh, you know, make more money and stuff. And so that's what I did. And so what's the degree called? Is it library sciences or? Masters of library science. I say that that sounds like almost like Hogwarts or something. That's kind of fantastic. I yeah. like that. So how long, I mean, growing up, some of the place that I discovered, and we talked about this last time you were in, but I found some really cool records at my local library that you wouldn't expect to find in Blaine, you know, at the Hennepin County Library there. Has there always been a vinyl archive at the downtown library? There has been, um, and yeah, I mean, back in the day we had like, I mean, we've got like some crazy old like 78s and stuff right? and big classical collection, but then, you know, we started, whoever did the acquisitions back then, you know, collecting popular records and local records and uh you know so we got all that stuff uh you know and then at one point it it dropped off um but like we talked about before you know we finally um got this group together to revitalize the vinyl and, and start making use of it and one of the things at some point I'll you know tell you more about this but we uh, have been accepting some donations and we just got an incredible donation of like 6000 pieces wow um that we just like made our collection grow hugely and super cool stuff and nerdy did some of his picks from from that stuff so we're now building the collection and filling in gaps and getting really cool things well let's talk about nerdy so what is the name of this ongoing series where you have different artists come through uh so it's vinyl revival mm -hmm. um and then we have our album encounters um, and we started it in COVID because we had to stop all live programming and we couldn't have people come in the, the listening room. Right. So, you know, the very first one, uh, we talked about this before I did like Husker do Zen Arcade. And that was just led by me and some other staff, um, talking about the album. And then later we started getting special guests. I did one on sign of the times and we had Dr. Fink as a special guest, Right. you know, and then we started getting artists in and doing different things. And sometimes we're able to pay them a little bit. You know, we're, we're able to pay Nerdy. Um, a couple months ago for Pride, I had uh, Venus de Mars on. Amazing. And did a wonderful show with her. Um, you know, so sometimes we still just do a staff-led deep dive on an album. Um, but other times we try to get artists in and do different things. And so, yeah, for the one we did with, like, Venus a couple months ago and the one I'm doing with Nerdy next week... The first half of the show, the first 45 minutes, they pick things from the collection and we spin some of their favorite records and talk about why it's important to them and what why they like this. And then the second half, we pivot and we talk about them and like, you know, their stuff and their albums and what they're coming up doing and stuff. So, mm -hmm. so it's going to be really fun. And so do people need to buy tickets? Can they just show up? No, so it's not live. It's all virtual still. Oh, it is virtual. Yeah, yeah. All it's, right, it's, all right. It's very still, good, very yeah, good. Yeah, we're all still right. haven't opened up um, in-person programming. Got it. Especially now that things are getting Yeah, exactly. Dirty. Um, so you go to our website, hclib.org. Um, at the top, there's a little events tab. Um, 
either put in nerdy or vinyl or just go to the 24th. It's just a few days from now. And, and, um, you know, click on the thing and you put in your email and register. And then the day of the show, you get a link, you, you click on that and you, and you log it. It's on Microsoft teams, which is similar to zoom. Right. And yeah, we're all, I'll be there. Nerdy will be there. We got a guy set up with the turntable, be playing the picks. Got a little slideshow uh, later on in the show. I'll be playing some nerdy songs and videos and talking to him about his albums and performances. That sounds awesome. We'll talk more about that right before the end of today's particular podcast. But your enthusiasm for the work that you do, you know, especially if you can meld those two worlds of, of music, but archiving and searching and learning and, you know, your love of going out to see new bands all the time. Part of that is about learning and growing and expanding and not ever sitting stagnant. And it's got to be amazing to work at a library. Like I work at a record store. And so I literally learn something new every single day I'm there. And you've got an archive of most of the accumulated knowledge and literature of Western culture at your fingertips. That's got to be amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's cool because I'm always just, you know, serendipitously stumbling upon things like, oh, this would be cool to read. This would be cool to read. And I never have time to read all of it. But then, you know, my, my wife and my kids and, you know, they can always just, you know, text me and go, oh, I saw this book is cool. This book is cool. And, you know, I'm able to just get it for them and bring it home. And, yeah, so... Nice. Well, let's hear a little more music, and then we're going to come back and talk about how you, despite the fact that there is perfectly good ground under your feet, and you're in a perfectly good airplane, you like to jump out of them, and you've done it more than a thousand times. I'll never be able to understand, and no, I will not do it, and never, ever for money. <laughs> but you are not, calling you an avid skydiver is like damning you with faint praise. We'll talk more about that just ahead. First, another guy that we have a mutual love for right here in Gary Newman. Very early on in his career, he was known as Valerian back in the Tubeway Army days. Days, and then became a genuine pop star here in the United States. One hit wonder. Everybody knows cars. They might know down in the park or our friends electric, but most people think of Gary Newman as sort of a Mr. Roboto one yes. hit wonder. But over in the UK, 20 top 20 UK hits. I mean, he was a genuine superstar in the early to mid eighties and that faded and fluctuated over the years. But then as we got into our century here, you know, bands like nine inch nails would start to bring him out on tour and talk about how this is one of the most important and foundational and influential guys. I don't love every song in his catalog, but I remain a huge fan. And a few years ago, I went to see him at first Avenue and I thought, well, this is going to be weird because I'd never seen him before. And I'm like, you know, it's probably an old guy who's just going to stand there and do the beep boo bop boo thing behind the, behind a keyboard or something. And it's going to be dull. I couldn't have been more wrong. It was wildly dynamic. The newer music was every bit as good as the older music. I, I re-fell in love with Gary Newman, man. And I'm, I feel bad that I slept on the switch for so many years from like the mid nineties to the mid two thousands. Yeah, because he had the early part of his career where he was just on fire, you know, with cars and, and the other things and Telecon album and mm -hmm. uh, replicas. And that's when I first became a fan. I was a big into that. I used to listen to this radio station late at night. You could get like stations from Little Rock, Arkansas and stuff. And they had this weird science fiction show and they'd play a lot of Gary Newman. They'd talk about uh, astral projection, but then they'd play Gary Newman, and I was like, oh, this is great. That sounds awesome. So I went and saw him on, like, the Replicas <clears throat> tour, Telecon tour. Wow, really? Yeah. And then, um, you Wait, know, so you saw the Telecon car, like yes, the little car he drove yes, around on the stage? I did. No way. Yeah. But then there's years and years where, you know, he didn't tour, and I'm I'm actually reading his autobiography right now, and it's, mm -hmm. it's fascinating. Um, and, you know, he had, like, ups and downs, and, you know, a long time his career kind of stalled. And then he kind of found this new sound that he's into now and, and has developed. And he's turned into a super dynamic performer. And, you know, yeah, it's great. And actually, last time he was here, the time you saw him, I did the meet and greet. So I got to meet him. Wow. And talk about, like, so I'm a skydiver and he's never jumped out of a plane. But he used to be a plane pilot mm -hmm. like in a stunt display flyer wow he'd, he'd fly in formation Crazy. like upside down close to the ground oh. and do all these things that sounds like way dangerous to me and it was he's talked about how like you know friends of his died in plane crashes doing mm. doing that stuff mm -hmm. and he finally quit because of his family he's got like a few kids now and stuff but it was fascinating to talk about that with him and to meet him and i'm actually doing it again i was just like i want to get his my book autographed and chat with gary newman again so i'm doing the meet and greet again so <laughs> See, i thought i was a devout newmanoid and it turns out i don't got nothing on john copeland so let's go ahead and hear it the title track from his latest release this is intruders from gary newman on the brian oak show 
Listen to more lies About promises you kept Where you walk on water Like you said you were I can make you my prisoner But you a dead man talking When you find the oceans Like you said you were Gary Newman will be bringing his Intruder Tour to the First Avenue Main Room coming up on October 12th. As you mentioned, you're already going VIP style and going to the meet and greet and all that stuff. I'm going. I did not upgrade to that high-end thing, but if that's an opportunity, I may still try to jump in on some of that. But I love Gary Newman. I've loved him for a very long time. I'm a devout Newmanoid. I know you are as well. That's the title track from his latest solo release, Intruder. Uh, I Speak Machine, a band I do not know, will be opening things up, and our good friend DJ Jake Rude, as always, every time there's an ultra cool show or anything with even the slightest 80s or electro tinge to it jake rue is likely going to be there as well so that should be a good night now know this though first avenue they're smart you have to have proof of vaccination or a negative covid19 test result for that event from the first from the previous i believe 72 hours in order to gain admittance they just announced today by the way that basilica is doing the same thing even though they've already sold a ton of tickets, the Basilica Block Party. So I imagine there'll be a little pushback on that. The State Fair, on the other hand, who cares? Go kiss a pig. I don't care what you do. (laughs) Come on in. Kiss a pig. Before we continue talking to our guest, John Copeland, uh, we do have to mention um, Palmer's Bar, also a sponsor of the Brian Oak Show. Palm Fest was an unmitigated success. It was super fun. It was a great weekend of live music. I can't wait for you and I, once we're neighbors, uh, to be able to just jump on the train together and go down to Palmer's. Right there. Just you and I. Yeah. Just you and I. 
Not even the wives. Just like let's just, go to here Palmer's. we go. I'll, let's I'll, go to Palmer's. I'll see you over on the light rail. Yeah, I'll be right there at the at the station. Okay, right there on Forty Second. <laughs> and here's the thing: it's not even because we don't want to drink and drive. Neither of us drink anymore. No. So it'll just be because let's just jump on the train and go right there to Palmer's. I don't even like to talk on the train. Let's just go together on the train. No and talking. Sit quietly. Exactly. Stare straight ahead. Yep. Freak everybody out. You got it, including each other. At Palmer's right now, uh, Palmer's Bar, in fact, tonight, we're recording this on Friday, August 20th, Lydia Liza, Black Widows, and a band that I'm not familiar with. They have an album released tonight. The band is called Honey Dick. And What's that, Brian? Honey Dick. Oh, okay. I, again, there's no comma. There's no punctuation. I'm not 100% certain exactly where the emphasis is supposed to go. Lydia Liza, Black Widows, and Honey Dick sounds like an excellent evening of music. That is tonight at Palmer's, and they got a ton of cool shows on the way. Palmer'sBar.net is where you want to go. So, John, we have established your educational credentials, your long, long and storied uh, career uh, in the library sciences, and your love of music. Now, one thing we did not get to talk about last time much was your love of willingly and bodily throwing yourself out of an airplane. You are, again, I feel like avid skydiver is damning you with faint praise. I mean, a thousand jumps, even in the world of of regular skydiving, that's a ton of jumps, right? I mean, it's a lot, but there's a lot of people. um, There's a woman that I know who has jumped over 21,000 times. There's another guy. Is there enough time in your life to, I mean, I feel like you'd have to be falling out of a plane constantly all day, every day to get 21,000 jumps in. Yeah, well, I think she's like the second, um, you know, there's only one woman in the U.S. who's got more jumps than her that, that's known. Um, she's amazing, but she also runs her own little drop zone. Um, Mary Bauer uh, runs Skydive with Soda out, out in uh, uh, Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Um, but And her, her uh, husband has like 18,000 jumps, another guy I know that, you know, so there's people who are like Totally into it. Who started when they were very young? Right. I started in my forties. Some these some of these people started when they were eighteen, and have done it their whole lives. Um, so yeah, by far there's there's so many people who are much more experienced than me. And even like my wife is cra- she jumps more than I do because I have so much music. I'm like yeah. I, I gotta go see music. So a lot of times I put that ahead of skydiving at least the last couple of years. But I still yeah last uh, Saturday Sunday one one of those days I did five jumps five jumps and, so you uh, don't just go out and do it once i mean because you are who you are and you're an enthusiast you go out and you make a day of it you're going to jump five times now is someone else packing your chute do you own your own chutes are you packing your own chutes how does that work yeah so we own our own parachutes and yes we pack our own chutes um but the the thing is you always have an emergency chute a reserve right and that we are not allowed to pack um it has to be a certified rigger it has to be a special person. Okay. It has to be packed whether you use it or not um, every 180 days, like, I don't know, what's that, half a year. Um, Do you wear that at the same time you're wearing your regular shirt? So when you say emergency, it's not just a spare, like a spare tire. Do you keep it on your body when you jump out of a plane? Right. It is, yeah, it is on the bottom of the parachute. And so it has to be done by a professional because this has to, you know, like it's your last chance to save your life if something goes wrong with your bat. And it, and it's made to like release a lot quicker than a normal parachute. It mm-hmm. just like springs out there and um like an airbag so, except saving you from hitting the ground. Have you ever and the thought of it, I mean again, even if I knew everything was I was strapped to someone else who was a complete pro, knew what they were doing, 0% chance I ever jump out of a plane because I hate heights so much. Have you ever had to pull your emergency chute because your main chute didn't work? Yes, three times. And well, so what? And everybody who skydives a lot, <laughs> fuck no, no, every, fuck no. Everybody who skydives a lot, it's not a big deal to have what you call what's called a cutaway because sometimes, and you know, there's different malfunctions that not are that deal. are worse than others. But okay. like a couple, yeah, a couple times, like I'm, I open my own my main parachute and I look up and it's uh, I have line twists or something and yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you can get out of them, but depends on what altitude you're at. You got to be real careful. Whatever. As you're but plummeting some, to the earth. But sometimes they're, you know, there's you're spinning or something. So you're trained before you go. You've got a handle here that you just rip the handle and it cuts away the main parachute, and then you have your other handle that opens your reserve, and so you go rip, rip, and your reserve comes out. And every time that it's happened for me, it's just been beautiful. Like it just goes whoop. And then I have a good parachute over my head. Then your other parachute goes wherever it goes. Usually somebody's on the ground watching and 
you can figure out where it is right. and, and then you get it back and get it reattached and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a common thing. It's not, and that's, you know, you're prepared for that. So it's not that Which is big why of a deal, you have it. But, but yeah. I mean, like, have you ever heard stories of people who, oh, uh, malfunction with the main chute. Oh, shit, backup chute didn't work. I mean, does that happen? Very, very rare. That, that, that I mean, I, I'm sure it's happened, but it, it's, it's pretty rare. Um, and also, you have what's called an automatic activation device on your parachute that you turn on. So that's another backup thing where like if like, you pass it, out or something. Yeah, or? if something happens, like if you like no b- bump into another skydiver on the way, or you know something happens and you pass out and you get to a certain height, it will automatic boom. It'll open your chute for you. Ah, um, so so you it's know, got like an altimeter of some sort on it, and it's like is it timed or does it sense your altitude? It's by the altitude. So it if, is. like right. if you haven't opened your chute by like you know whatever fifteen hundred feet or a thousand feet, which everybody should have opened their chute by then. It will automatically do it for you, okay, and hopefully save your life. I mean, it's saved many lives. Well, um, I'm sure. So, I so mean, yeah. So, I mean, but like, so you go up and you jump and you come down, and then you have to take the time to be ultra meticulous to repack your chute to go up for your next jump. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You pack it, and you just got to make sure you do it well. It, because you can pack yourself a malfunction if someone's being really sloppy. You can do stupid things. But. So you didn't start until your 40s, and this part's very interesting to me. Was your wife into it first? Is that why you first made your first jump? What why, what, did, what made you think, you know what, I'm an adrenaline junkie, live life a quarter mile at a time, point break, and you're just, you are going to live the parachute lifestyle? No, so it was just kind of like a bucket list thing. I... Well, you know, long ago when I was in grad school getting my library degree, one of my best friends got married and for his bachelor party, a bunch of other friends took him out for, they did tandems or they did some sort of skydive and I missed it. And so they'd always been, because always kind of been in my head like, oh, I'd like to do that someday. And something just made me think of it. And I said to Westy, hey, um, I kind of want to go, you know, do a jump, do a tandem, just, you know. And then she's like, oh, well, if you're going to do that, I'm I, I'm going to do it, too. I'm not going to let you just. And, so neither of you had ever done it before? No. And wow. So, so I said, how about we do it for our anniversary? And we're, we're, we're in the middle of the winter. It's December or something. Right. Our anniversary is in June. Like, why don't we, you know, sign up and do it for our anniversary? It's a long time away and stuff. So it's like, sure, no problem. So I signed us up, you know, to do it. And, of course, the first time on our anniversary, the weather was bad. And we had to wait a couple more weeks. But then finally, July 1st of I guess it was 2011, mm-hmm. we went out and did our first tandem jumps, and we came, I thought it was so great, and it, she kind of got a little nauseous the first time. Right. Because she got, like, they spun around a bit, and she got Yeah, little, and you're plummeting out of an airplane in the sky. You're falling to the earth. Yeah. But I bound over across the field afterwards, and I'm like, that's the greatest thing, I want to do it again. And so she's kind of like, okay, I'll do it again. But, you know, then after we each did like three of those, we thought, oh, this is stupid to pay all this money to do these tandems. Let's learn how to do it ourselves. We went through the student program. We got our lowest, you know, skydiving license, which lets you um, jump by yourself and you Mm -hmm. don't don't have to be with an instructor anymore and stuff. And then we bought all our own stuff and we can, and then now she's totally, she she doesn't get sick from it anymore. She's like more of a freak about it than I am. She actually is, uh, gotten really good at like organizing dives for other people. Wow! So she gets a lot of free jumps, which is great. Be you know because um, she's called a load organizer. So on certain days, like a lot of weekends, the whole day, Westy's going to be load organizing today. So people who come in and want to jump but don't necessarily good at or at uh, devising interesting jumps or or finding people and stuff, and she'll. Uh, organize them and say, okay, we're going to do a four-way formation or we're going to do an eight-way formation. Or the last weekend we were doing like, she was doing novelty jumps, uh, like where two people hold a hoop and like a hula hoop type thing and someone tries to go through it. And we did one where we're, there's called, it's called a tube jump where like you get like six people and you all kind of get in this big ball and we rolled out the plane and we figured out that we were going over 200 miles an hour in this big ball until you split apart and then safely open your parachute. But it's great because yes, yeah, she gets free jumps, but she's good at organizing people into these jumps and stuff. And so, yeah, but... Yeah, we both still love to do it. Been doing it over 10 years. So it's so. not just a single jump thing. I mean, you are doing formations. You're doing stunts. You're doing tricks. You're finding new ways every time to do it. Do you ever try to push the envelope of how long you can wait until you pull your chute? 
No, I mean, there's people who do that, but that yeah. year, that's frowned upon. Well, it also and, sounds terrifying and probably not that smart, right? It's like yeah. people who drive their cars too fast yeah. or whatever. Wow. Well, and But what's weird to me now, even stranger, is that you said you did your first one in 2011. You've done more than 1,000 jumps in just 10 years. That means more than 100 jumps a year. We only have, what, four or five months a year that you could probably make a decent jump? Actually, we jump in the winter sometimes. There, there's um, the big drop zone that we go to, Skydive Twin Cities in Baldwin, Wisconsin. They close at you know the end of October and for the winter. Right. Um, but Skydive Wisota, the one I was talking about before, it's a longer drive. It's like almost two hours to get out there. But they're open all through the winter. You can jump in the winter if it's um, you know the conditions are okay and it can't be too cold or of course can't be snowing or right. blizzard or something like that but you can jump in the winter just like i mean you bundle up the the planes heated the clubhouse is heated the sky isn't heated though the sky isn't heated you put on more layers but and you got a jumpsuit <laughs> gotta on wear a sweater and, you know yeah okay all right i just it, to me it's it's such a foreign language that you're inside a perfectly good airplane perfectly capable of carrying you through the sky and you decide nope i'm gonna get out and walk and there you go plummeting to the earth well i just i live in awe of it and i know that you post about it all the time i see it on on social media it just it's a mind boggler to me man so uh, i have a question yeah is it frowned upon for first-time jumpers to wear adult diapers because <laughs> i am convinced if i were to ever actually do it no way that things wouldn't work out i'm also i also think like i've thought like should i do this should i try this at some point but i i'm convinced i would pass out yeah probably not i mean it's it's i mean it's a thrill the first time you're just yeah. kind of sensory overload because you've never done it before and but um you know if you the, the one thing tandem instructors the people that you know a lot of friends of mine and stuff who take people on jumps um, like you're strapped to them, right? Yeah, like in yeah. a big baby Bjorn on the front of them. Yeah. And, and they run the whole show. I mean, you go to a couple of dinners first. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, go. but, but most, go. most tandem instructors eventually get a puker. Oh yeah. Oh. And they, and then they, they come out and say, Oh God, I got a puker. Like the person like threw up and they got all over like in their hair and oh. stuff. And it's just, oh. like, it doesn't because happen that often, but it, but it happens. You're falling faster than the puke is falling. <laughs> so the puke moves the other direction. All right, well, that answers that question for me. Never, ever, ever. It's not even on my bucket list, but I'm glad that you and your wife enjoy it and so many other people enjoy it. John, we've got to wrap things up. We've been at this for about an hour here, so please, one more time, will you tell me what the event is called, what the details are of this particular event, and where people can find out more about you and Nerdy hanging out next week. All right, yeah, so Nerdy and I are going to be doing a show with some help from other people on our team Um and he's been great. We actually, oh, oh, I got to tell you this too. We went to KFAI yesterday. Right. Uh, the library has a partnership with them. Sometimes promote our events. So they said, why don't you come in with and bring Nerdy and and chat about this? So I brought all his picks. He picked like twelve pieces of vinyl, mm -hmm. and we're going to get to as many of them as we can during the show. But we brought some of those down to KFAI to to spin and stuff. And I found a use for the Brian Oak Show tote bag. Oh, Ooh. you shared a picture perfect, with me. It's the perfect size for carrying. Not you know, it won't hold too many, but for the amount I had, right? Perfect size for carrying the albums. Yeah, it's not going to carry fifty albums, but if yeah. you've got anywhere between a half dozen and a dozen, it's the perfect size. Yeah, so that's so use your uh, Brian Oak Show tote bag for that. Indeed. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so we got it kind of planned. Uh, uh, yeah, again, it's on Tuesday the 24th. Mm -hmm. Nerdy is going to, uh, we're get, the first half of the show, we're going to talk about his picks and play some of those and have fun just talking about uh, music. We're also going to talk about the fact, this is kind of fascinating to me, that he doesn't have any vinyl out. He doesn't even have any CDs out. It's all digital. Wow. So we're going to talk about, okay, we're celebrating vinyl, but then you don't have any vinyl. Right. You're all digital. Like, what's the, you know, reasoning behind that? Mm -hmm. And that's going to be an interesting conversation. But then I want to talk to him about all his music, all his great out. He's put out like six albums, yep. digital albums, uh, plus a bunch of singles in just three years. Yep. Well, and he's like his 38th album and his Chicago album. I mean, we're we're 10 blocks south from that historic intersection that inspired those two full albums when nerdy was on this show he's such a bright light he is so articulate he is so intelligent he is so passionate 
But at the end of it all, the bottom line, you know, is you can be as cool a person as you want, as interesting a person as you want, is his talent. His musical talent mm-hmm. was mind-bending. I mean, like world-class. Like sometimes you hear an artist, you're like, oh, that sounds like a Minnesota artist. Other times you're like, that person could be from anywhere in the world, and that person's music could compete on any format in the world. I feel that Nerdy is that good. I'm very excited about what he does. Yeah, he's amazing. So once again, just go to hclib.org, go to the events tab on the top, find the Nerdy event on the 24th, and you register on there. We'll link to it, too. Yeah. Yeah, we'll link to it when we promote it on the social media. But yeah, it's going to be so fun because I'm going to talk about his fun, you know, songs, and then I want to talk about how he pivoted to doing these political, these great albums about the George Floyd right. and, and everything else, and he's back out doing a lot of performances these days. So, yeah. When's the next time you're jumping out of an airplane? Uh, it's possible this Sunday. It depends. I'm not sure if I'm going to uh, organize it. Uh, if not, you know, hopefully the weekend after that, or mm-hmm. try to go whenever it works out. <laughs> well, you enjoy yourself, and thank you again for coming in, man. It's always good to see your face. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, have fun with the event on Tuesday. We're going to go now. And Nerdy, as you mentioned, in a very short period of time, has been very prolific, has put out a ton of music. Why'd you pick this last song we're going to play? This was the one. uh, So the first time I ever saw Nerdy perform, we have this neighborhood concert series uh, three and a half blocks from my house, Harriet Avenue. And so they got Nerdy to play this year, which was great. They just they thought, you know pipe dream you know let's just ask nerdy and he's like sure i'll do it so he came with his dj and he did this great show and you know so people usually sit around in the street with their lawn chairs and stuff and he's like we're gonna get you going we're gonna get you dancing but just bit by bit so the first song he played of the show is another one i love called 2xl that you can only find on soundcloud it's on his first album it's not even on spotify but you know he's going through the show and he finally gets to the last song, which is the one we're going to go with here, Glorious. Mm-hmm. And he finally is like, you know, all right, everybody out of your seats. And and he got the whole neighborhood was up boogieing on their seats. And he did this whole thing where whenever I yell Glorious, you raise your hands up. And it was just like this great celebration. And everybody was happy and smiling and dancing. It was the one show of the concert series where the young kids, usually they're running around, but they don't care about the music. They all went up and asked for his autograph. Awesome. They're like, we want Nerdy's autograph. <laughs> they, they, thought, they thought he was so cool. you know. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, sounds like a fitting way to end our show. Sean, thank you very much. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, John. Yep. <laughs> See you next time. That's John right over there. And we're going to leave you with Nerdy, a song called Glorious, on The Brian Oak Show. Yeah. 
Making music for my people, they just might right. turn this freaking city purple when I die. Yeah, and might go if I rain more. Keeping Minnesota nice, but I fight for all the people who believe in what I'm dreaming. I'ma do it, I'ma open up the door. Cause I'm feeling glorious. I'm feeling glorious.